G'day and welcome to the Creating, Living and Making podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mackey, and joining me as always is Grant Alexander. Hello. And Morley Kurt. Yo. What's been going on, boys? It's been uh, two weeks since we last recorded. Um, For those that don't know, we had to take off last week because someone decided to try and steal copper pipes near where I live and cut through the internet lines and they were down for about four days. Wow. um, Really, really stop us from recording. So we decided to just take the week off and uh, it's been over a year since we've been going pretty strong for a year. We thought we deserve a holiday. So yeah. Yeah. So two weeks, how- what have you guys been up to? Molly? Wait, but before I say how big of an area did that affect? Like how many people were without internet? I tried to look up the numbers, but I didn't I'm have any sure. internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the problem was that we still had like data on our phones, but every single person was on their phone that it was so slow that you could, like, I couldn't even oh. load a face. I couldn't even load posts on Facebook because like everyone was on their phone. Hmm. Um, but it's exactly, it's it was like when a tornado came through here, the same thing. Yeah. It was like everyone started using like the, the landlines all got cut out. So everyone mm. jumps on their phones. So now like the cell towers are overwhelmed and then you can't do anything. And you're like, and everyone's like, but we're tweeting at you. And I'm like, yeah. And Twitter's not loading. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not sure actually, if I just look up, um, go, go on with what you've been working on. Molly, and I'll, all right. I'll all right, all right. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm actually very thankful that Australia's internet went down uh, because it was nice to kind of have a, a weekend to not have to think about doing any of the stuff for the podcast and to be able to completely um, just kind of unwind after the week because it's been very busy at work. Um, not just, as I mentioned last week, in planning the sessions and everything else, but also kind of learning all the responsibilities of my role and getting everything set up at the location where we're going to be running the camp. So, you know, physically setting up the space, figuring out, I'm I'm literally like setting up the workshop uh, at the curling club where we're going to be running the camp Um, and figuring out kind of all the procedures and everything, doing some trainings. And there's just a million little things. Um, So I come, I come home every night kind of like, you know, you know, like when you're, doing a lot at your job and you come home and you're kind of like, I'm just on a break until I start working again. It's not like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you're going to sleep, but it's just like, okay, this is an eight hour break. And then I'm going back to it. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been that sort of thing. And it's good. It's very fulfilling and it's very exciting. Um, it's also tough because it's like two months of planning and then we don't get the payoff until July 5th. So it's a long buildup until we actually start the summer, but we're, we're over the halfway point of planning for the summer. We got two sessions out of four planned. We just finished up the space one, uh, which is all about like, uh, uh, it's called destination Mars. So it's all about like a Mars mission and a lot of like electronics and robotics and building model Martian habitats and stuff. Um, cool. Yeah. So it was nice to have, um, last weekend to work on some life stuff and, uh, do some making. Um, I decided to start a project that Eden has been asking me for, for a while. And I, all the stars aligned nicely. So it was the good next thing to do. So I'm making a spice rack for our kitchen. Um, I wanted to use up all this scrap plywood I have, cause I have a lot of like awkward size pieces. So I was trying to think of a good project. I was thinking, Oh, maybe I'll make like this like segmented planter. Um, 
And then I remembered the project, was skeptical that I had enough wood, realized I did, and then got super excited and was like, okay, this is this is the time to do it. Let's go. Um, so it's kind of like a if you if you visualize like each shelf is kind of like a segment on a wave. And then um, the vertical pieces are like alternating going up. So it's like a zigzag moving up and the shelves are the long zigs and the spacers are the short zags. Um, (laughs) So it's going to look very cool, very modern. Um, I'm painting the face grain of the plywood and leaving the edge, the layered edges exposed uh, with this very nice, like light blue. It's actually just drawing on my floor right now. I just applied the first coat of finish. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to look super nice um, and I'm really excited to get that done. But it's at the point now where it's like, well, I probably won't have a, po- a chance to really work on it a lot until the weekend because that's just how the weeks are going. Um, You've joined the real world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, jo- I've joined this. It- it's good. Like it's, it's, it's fulfilling work, um, but it's just a lot. And it, there's so many things to think about. Um, but we're getting better at delegating, which is good because because it's a young camp. Um, something I've never really thought about with camps before, even having gone to them my whole life or having gone to one for nine years, is how much of a self-replicating machine they are. So in most camps, your campers become your staff. But in a young camp, um, this one's only, this is their sixth summer. And last year was COVID. So it's like their fifth and a half summer. Um it's, there's a lot of like, you don't, a lot of your staff is new and they have to learn new stuff. So people can't just get started from day one. There's a lot of trainings we have to come up with and all the other stuff. So it feels like really cool to be part of this big thing, but also like people are getting to the point where they can be delegated more tasks, which is good because <laughs> you can feel confident leaving them to their own devices. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's but fun. it's been, it's been cool. Um, probably a little, uh, Less mind numbing making less mind numbing making than you this week, Grant. I feel like you've been just like zeroed in on some mind numbing making. <laughs> oh, uh, I think zeroed in on mind numbing making is probably what best describes it. Because honestly, it. I, I think last year I talked about it being the summer of sanding, uh, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try and start this summer off with even more sanding. I have literally been sanding and then polishing, which is just like sanding, but uh, I would say <laughs> di- just just slightly Missio? different. I don't know. It's exact same thing as sanding. It's, I I bought a yeah. for my like six inch bench grinder. I bought some like buffing wheels, so at least I have some power for most of the stuff. Uh, but I will let you know that it's very mm-hmm. easy to get something caught in one of those buffing wheels and fly it across the shop or really destroy that piece of aluminum that you've been working on for like four hours. Oops. Uh, Yeah, but I fixed all that. So uh, it's just been sanding, fiberglass sanding, and then aluminum sanding, and then every piece of basically what I decided I was going to just take the time, like I took four weeks off work, and my plan was to take uh, the my frame of my trailer off the shell and replace the trailer shell. And right before I did it, I saw someone post on uh, Facebook, like a time-lapse video of them doing over a weekend. 
And it was like two eight-hour days with two buddies, and they did it over the weekend. I went, well, I've got I – should, I should be able to do more than that. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll take on a little bit of extra stuff. And that's when I, I just went, ah, screw it, and threw caution to the wind and decided I was going to do a full restoration on the trailer, head-to-toe, paint jobs, polishing all the aluminum, which is – really frustrating because I don't really care about polished aluminum. Like that wasn't my goal, but there was so much paint and caulking it on every single piece of aluminum, like over spray from the previous paint job that like the only way to make it look like it's aluminum again is to sand it. Mm -hmm. And then once you've sanded it, you got to sand it with a higher grit to make up for that. And then you just keep, uh, you know, going and going and uh, yeah. And uh, my entire basement uh, is covered in uh, trailer parts, including if somebody is watching, they can see a solar panel behind me. That's my solar panel for the uh, the uh, camper. Um, I literally have camper parts everywhere in my house. My garage is exploded of camper parts. It is amazing to me that those this like ten foot long living space like how much space it takes up if you place it everywhere else. It's <laughs> insane to me. <laughs> um, you know what's worse than a buffing wheel on a bench grinder? A wire wheel. Yeah. My hands were so janked up when I used a wire wheel to polish some stuff and then the polishing wheel as well. I sent so many things flying. So I've um, got my drill press set up with a wire wheel. And then I've got the bench grinder set up with the buffing wheels. So yeah, it's, it's working out pretty good. The, the drill it. press I like because it's not as powerful mm. and it's not as fast. Yeah. So it, it doesn't spin it just yeah. quite as much. <laughs> <laughs> I find it really ironic that you have a second workshop for during the winter so that your wife doesn't have to park out on the driveway. And now it's summer and you can't use your garage anyway because it's full of caravan parts. Well, yeah, that, that's a project. <laughs> right? Well, that's, I'm working on the, like, there, but, but you're, I, so I you're dedicated to do just that then. Right now. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. anything else until I finish this because right. until I finish this, like every time I go to work on it, after I'm done, I have to put a tarp across it because I took all the windows mm. out. Right. And never, you know, because right. I don't want to paint the windows like the last guy did, because that's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> last guy. <laughs> um, stupid last guy. Pretty much. Like half this work is because the last guy was stupid. Um, and it's not the last guy. Like the guy I bought it off of <laughs> bought it off someone else. So in case somehow he listens, it's not you. It's the guy before you who whoever painted it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I've literally just been sanding. So I'm, Adam, I'm very keen to see some. I'm very, I'm really keen to see some before and after photos. The, I'm gonna have photos. I haven't been taking as much video as I wanted to, because I want to get it done, and I don't care about the video. I know that because feeling. the video is like gonna get me like yeah. thirty cents, right? And it's gonna take me. Hmm. When you're looking at a project of this scale, if I really wanted to make a big enough video. Then, I don't know. It just like the timing would would yeah. be difficult. You could just shoot it time lapse only. 
And so you'll, you'll know you'll get five minutes of footage a day, just shoot one time-lapse. Like if you're working on it in like a two hour stretch, just set up a time-lapse and that's it. I I've been doing, uh, 18, like 12 to 18 hour days. So, um, like I, I've thought about well, that's time, right, you're I've on some, yeah, I've got some, uh, time-lapse videos, but like a time-lapse after time-lapse after time-lapse is like a boring video. I disagree. So I, I think you're undervaluing people. Like, like think about Andrew Zato's uh, cabin build, right? That was basically a time lapse. It was it was short clips of of snippets, but even that is not like what I'm talking about because like I, people I think enjoy watching if they're if they know they're getting into it for a time lapse. Like if you if you call it a time lapse trailer restoration, I, I think there's definitely people that would be into that. Well, and put some nice music to it, and, and that's just it. And you're just showing like, and there's the light change throughout the day. If it's twelve, it's twelve hours condensed into like one minute. Like there could that could have a really cool visual effect. The problem is not enough happens. Like the visual change, it's like when you're sanding. The reason yeah. why people don't do put videos of sanding is because you can barely tell the difference. So I'll say one thing, and then I'll shut up about it. Just try okay. shooting one and see what it looks like, and then just go from there. I would just try shooting one just to see what it looks like. I've been doing some. Okay. Like, so I did some where the, the red paint, I was taking the red paint off the roof. I did like a time-lapse from, I put my camera on the, on the roof of my house and I did a time-lapse of me sanding the roof because I went, you can see the, the change of it's a red roof and now it's a white roof. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sanding all the red paint away. But when I'm sanding the red paint away, to get to the orange paint that you can barely tell the difference because they're so close in color. It's like, okay, so you see someone just sitting there for yeah, an hour. But just just don't show those parts. Just show the the, the transformation parts when you sand the big sanding, when you repaint right, it, and then it's like a two-minute totally, video. Yeah. Right. So the, the problem is there's not enough. I don't feel like there's, there's enough going on to justify that. But I've got some other ideas. We'll see what happens. All right, sounds I've good. been filming a little bit. I've not been filming as much as I probably would if I had uh, more of an audience that would make it worth my while to film it. How about that? Adam. Like, I think, I think uh, also too. This is a rabbit hole. It is a, we, it is we a very – dive further down. The, the, this is my last point, but it is a very specific – thing like someone's really the only audience you're going to get for that sort of video is someone that's restoring a caravan from that time every project video is specific yeah i actually vintage trailers right now are super hot and there's tripled in price and there are lots of videos out there of people restoring them with tons of views. So. I'm going to do some aggressive pointing with scissors because that's what I'm fidgeting with right now. There's no such thing as a general project video. Every project video is about something specific. So if you <laughs> lean into that specificity, there's more of a chance that it could be something really interesting. Totally. Adam, what have you been working on? Fair enough. Well, I finally, finally finished my workbench. I don't believe you. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, in saying that I'm in the process of making a new fence because I wanted to upgrade the one I originally made. Um, but I finished the workbench to the videos, like the videos are done. That new fence is the last thing and the workbench is completely done. Um, so yeah, I've been editing the three videos and I have them complete 
all I need to do is record intros and outros for them all and then edit those on and then they'll be going up. So I'm hoping, so the, the intro for video one is just me quickly talking over like shots of the finished workbench. And then like, there'll be an outro of me actually talking to the camera. Um, so I'm hoping to get that recorded today and have the video up hopefully before this podcast comes out. Cool. Which I'm pretty stoked about. And then um, if I can't get the other intros and outros done, I can get them done within a week easy. So yeah. Nice. Pretty excited about that. But um, I'm back at work now and weirdly enough, I actually have so much more time on my hands to watch YouTube and and all that sort of stuff. And um, I found this creator on YouTube called Bevelish uh, Creations. His videos are amazing. Um, the there's the one video I've watched is um, called Build a Simple Monitor Stand, and it's not really the build is what I'm interested in, but the video editing he did for the entire video is so well done. It's like what I picture my videos to be like what I want my videos to be. And that's um, cool. Yeah. And it just, yeah, really got me thinking about um, like the art of creating videos and videography and, and all that sort of stuff. And not necessarily in YouTube, but in like TV shows as well, like the thought process that goes into every single shot and how things are done. And like when I watch this um, monitor stand build, like he does things like, wipes his hand across the screen where he's going to do like a side swipe for a transition. And Mm -hmm. yeah. I, so those kinds of things I really, really want to get better at. Yeah. And in the moment when I'm doing it, (laughs) I do not allow myself the time and it's Mm. all about time preparation and thought. And I think I, I think as I get more confident as a builder and a maker, I will be able to, get more confident, give myself the time to do more fun things on camera. Because if I'm making a very simple project, I find I can spice it up a lot with fun, you know, like whatever video transitions and stuff. And even like maybe potentially do some sort of color editing post. Uh, (laughs) But uh, what I find is when I'm working on a, a more complex build, I end up doing a lot of very simple like time lapse type things mm. because the the build is so complex. Yeah, yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, and it does take a ton of thought. And it, like one of my biggest inspirations for my videos has always been Laura Kampf. And I feel like the more you, I think you can see it in my videos, like it's no secret that like she inspires a lot of my style. And I think the more I make stuff, the more I realize that like my video, it's like each video I make, I'm like, I'm farther and farther from her than I thought before. And I I see differences in the style. And even if from like a simplistic point of view, like I'm, I'm inspired in certain ways, there are certain things where I'm like, oh my God, like I don't have nearly the cinematography knowledge and skills to do that sort of thing she's doing. Like I was, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago when I was filming the Spice Rack video, like. I didn't realize how much she actually shows her face in her videos. Um, like the angles she chooses. Um, it's not just like hands and tool. She actually like gets mm-hmm. her face in it a lot in like very impressive ways. And there's a reason 
well, two things. There's a reason she's really good at that and that she's experienced in the film industry. And going off of that, I mean, there's a reason in traditionally in the film industry, there are very specific roles because it takes, it's a, it's a complete art form to figure out the cinematography. I mean, if you're building something, just like you said, Grant, you only have so much brain power to um, think about the thing you're building, especially if it's something new and the shots that you're taking. It's very, very difficult. That, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to put casters on my workbench is so that I can pull it out and stand behind it and film from in front. So instead of getting this like over shoulder shot for every single shot, I can get like a video of me working from front on where you can have my face in the camera, in the screen and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I think one of the, so I'm going to jump ahead to my clamp foation because apparently that's what we're doing this week. Cause we've somehow, <laughs> at least I've picked. I, that I was just doing it for the topic. <laughs> but but why mine is uh is so I started watching and uh Dean Duplantis actually was the one who recommended it to me, but I would have watched it anyways because I really like Bo Burnham. But uh he said, you know, go watch Bo Burnham because the lighting and the film, like the cinematography that this guy did in this video is off the charts. I think that's exactly what Dean said, off the charts. And I went, yeah, really? oh, yeah, he's really good. And I didn't understand it. He the He's in one room in his house by himself and does all the lighting and, like, the amount of different scenes he's able to do in his single room with by himself, no camera person, no nothing blew me away. And I just went, what am I doing with my life? How am I not? <laughs> but and then I went back and went, it's because I'm not, uh, I'm not good at it. I use a GoPro. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't give myself any time to prepare any other lighting mm-hmm. than turning on the overhead lights. It's kind of, I haven't seen inside yet. Uh, I'd really like to, cause I love Bo Burnham, uh, as Grant, uh, probably knows from our canoe trip. I think I sang an entire Bo Burnham song. You did. And uh, one of our paddling stretches. I was impressed that I knew the whole thing. I was impressed. I was very proud. Anyways, um, it's kind of funny that that's the kind of shtick of the special because that's how he kind of started. I don't know if that's the point, but making videos just in his bedroom uh, playing on his keyboard. So it's like he's sort of playing off of that original thing, but at a much, much higher level. And I think that's actually something that... I'm, I think about a lot in that, like in making build videos and project videos and stuff, like you are, you're so much a product of the space that you're in. Your videos are going to be a product of the space you're in, in, in terms of like the camera angles that you set up and the way the video looks and it's aesthetic and the way that you move. Um, and I think it's important to lean into that rather than try to get away from it because it's what makes it feel authentic and you. And it's what makes the videos feel compelling. Um, unless you're, you know, building a film set to build every single project. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I've thought about recently with my videos is like, how can I take advantage of this space and how can I show off the space in interesting ways um, rather than try to emulate something else that, that is like, I, I'm not going to try to make this feel like a large workshop. I'm going to try to, show it, show it off in the way that it is. Yeah. But so that can be difficult on its own, 
because you have a small workshop, right? So you know, like how Laura gets a lot of her uh, like face in the photo in the thing. You don't have the space to a lot of times to put their camera far enough away from your. Yeah, for sure, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'm not going to try to emulate that. Like, I like that she does that, but I don't need like. I can get my face in the shot in other ways. I can do wider shots or if I'm shooting outside, I can, I do have the freedom to place the camera further away and zoom in so that it's a, you know, a long focal length from a long distance and then I can get that angle. Um, But that's what I'm saying. Like I would rather try to lean into my own situation rather than try to emulate someone else's other than anyways, go on Adam. Um, So I want to keep talking about this video a little bit. Um, I don't want to keep going on about it, but I feel that if you make videos, I really suggest going to watch this video because he uses so many different techniques. Like everything's not tripod. Like he will literally hold the camera and you can tell he's holding it while doing something um, like sanding and, and all that sort of stuff. And like just that being able to tell that he's holding the camera just adds something. I don't know what, but it, I don't know. just feel like it just makes it a little bit, better hmm. so i tried when i first got my gopro i bought a bunch of like body mount attachments to it yeah in thoughts of doing like chest mounted like yeah he does that too right so i've thought about doing all those and i've never been able to get them to look the way i want them in my head hmm. um because i watch bevelish i i think i've seen this one um i can't remember I'd have to go actually watch it and we're in the middle of a podcast. It's, it's a really, it's a really funky like edit. It's like a lot of transitions and, and yeah. B roll and yeah. So anyways, the whole point is it's, it's, it's like what, uh, what, what Morley was saying. Like I've seen people like use an ax with a body mounted GoPro and I just thought it looked really cool. It kind of looked like a video game and then mm. I did it and it didn't, it just looks <laughs> really unsafe. I don't know why. A, Probably a lot, know. a lot of post editing, smoothing out the actions of the camera moving and all that sort of stuff mm. for sure. Probably. Um, so I jotted down some points that I got from from his videos, but but one thing I wanted to point on is like what I, I assume. I don't know much about television, but what I assume they do, and I have a video coming up where I'm going to be making a jewelry box for myself. Um, that. I'm going to actually make a storyboard beforehand of all the shots that I want in there. And then so that I know what shots I need to record and like the B roll and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like with a small project where like a little box and that sort of stuff, that's something you could do. You couldn't really do it with like a workbench because like there's so much involved, but when you're making something so small, I feel like that you could do that sort of stuff. And I think that's how people get like, and how TV shows get like what they need. Well, and I think Jimmy was talking about that earlier about like the camera person or the director. Someone was talking to him and said, uh, what are you going to do next? And he was like, I don't know. Mm. Right. And it, and that's the problem when you're doing something that you know how you're going to do it. I think if you have a whole like plan of action and you've planned out this project and you know exactly what you're going to do, doing a storyboard is great. Yeah. And I think the best way to make the video for sure, planning out ahead, you can never go wrong with planning as long mm. as you're flexible on execution. But what I think it is, is it, for me at least, I kind of look at it and go, 
Um, if I, I can't, I don't make something I've made before, generally speaking for, so I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So I can't storyboard the shots out. Yeah. I mean, you can in a way though. Yeah. Like I do, I, I would say I storyboard in my head when I do a project and I, I'm not like trying to act like I'm rain man over here, but I like <laughs> in, in that, like I, you know, especially in working between a few different spots and within the constraints of a small space, like it takes a bit of planning, like to think of like what I want to do next and I don't want to leave stuff in a certain spot. Um, so that's a lot of time when, um, I'm just like looking at a project and thinking about the next step. I'm kind of like storyboarding out the steps. And, uh, on my last video on making the, the mall handle, um, I did that a good bit because I was also shooting some footage at the steam project. So I had to plan in advance, like, okay, what am I going to bring? What I'm going to shoot? What am I going to need? I'm going to need Jay to hold the camera so we can film this little talking head intro. And, um, one thing I think you realize when you, when you do that as well, is that like you, you do have to change a lot on the fly. You realize like, oh, the shot did not look at all. Like I thought in my head, I definitely need to change this up. Especially, especially if you're shooting with like amateur equipment and you don't have the cinematography equipment that the vision in your head is made with. Like you're imagining something that's shot on 35 millimeter film, but in actuality, you're shooting with a thousand dollar camera and it's not going to look quite as good. <laughs> so, but I actually, out of that, I think that'll be a really interesting exercise and I'm sure you'll get like a really tight, cohesive video out of it just from that planning. Yeah. And it actually, yeah, I think it so. reminds me, it reminds me of an expression that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, and it's, I don't know who it's attributed to. I can try to look it up afterwards, but it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think it rings true a lot for like making YouTube videos versus making videos in a team. Like making videos on your own is awesome because you can do whatever you want and you can get a video out in a week. But something I'm realizing is at work is that I might get impatient with a project's process and I might want to move on to the next thing, but it's really good that we're taking this time together to second guess everyone's opinions because it's going to get out all of the misconceptions and the, you know, just the, the not so great options and let us have something in the end of the summer that we're really, really proud of because we're working on it on a, We're working on it as a team. Um, it takes longer, but it's how you get those really good products. And it's, it's very difficult to do that when you're on your own. Sorry, I muted myself at some point. But <laughs> wait, wait, when did I mute myself? <laughs> oh, you just like, right near the end. Yeah, just, and I was, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh my god, what happened to my computer? No, I think I actually <laughs> pressed me. I did it. I, I, I was trying to say basically, um, working together, you can um, get to those things that you're really, really proud of all together. At the end, just takes longer. Um, wow, this is going to come out way worse the second time versus (laughs) (laughs) working on your own. You can still get some awesome end products. It just takes lots of iteration is what I was trying to say. So I tend to storyboard on the go. Um, So for instance, in one of the videos, I think it might be the first one. um, it, It is the first one. I route a groove in the top of the workbench, which leaves a ton of um, sawdust from the or sawdust, but a lot of dust from the MDF. So I got my leaf blower and blew the dust at the camera. And then when I edited it, I edited the dust to like um, go to like zero opacity 
or 100% opacity, whatever. Like, so that it would transition from the dust getting blown to the next shot. And that's something I thought of on the fly is if, oh, if I blow this into the camera, I can do that. Um, but I've never really made a storyboard of like, these are some good shots that I should get. Well, I think that's, it comes with, I think, like I said, it comes with confidence, either confidence in your filming or confidence in your building. One of the two, you need to have confidence in one of them in order for you to plan out the, the other steps. And I think like, you know, I don't know. There's, there's also ways to do it around. Like when I think about the art of video making, I think of like the transitions that Bob's wood stuff does when he, um, from the SketchUp files. Yeah. From the SketchUp yeah. and like those cool animations from like mm. digital to, uh, real life. Um, yeah, I saw his like opening to one of his, like his cornhole video is he modeled his entire backyard so that he could do, him throwing it and it landing and it transitions between reality and computer. It's really cool. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I jotted down some points that I think are um, pretty important when trying to make like good videos and stuff. So I never sort of realized the importance of B roll, not in the sense of like, you see some people that are like, just throw in like aerial shots of like the forest or something, but like, Again, back to Bevelish's video, but he had to change the blade. He had to put a new blade in his table saw. So he got a delivery where he, so he put the box that got delivered. He slammed it down on the, on the workbench on the the table saw and then like picked up the blade and like held two corners and let the box like spin between his hand with the blade and then like transitioned into it being put in. Like to me, I feel like normally I'd be like, oh, that, why would I put that in? Like, that's not an action shot. It's not important. But it just adds so much detail to the video. And I didn't realize, like, you, a video needs to be not just all action shots. For sure. Yeah, you need uh, to release and build the tension. And think yeah. about when you're watching a show or a movie, how much of it is not action. Oh, it's just establishing 100%. shots. And yeah, it's like when, I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but like, in Outlander when they're traveling like across Scotland and it's like, they're not just going to say like, Oh, we left Inverness and we arrived in Glasgow. No, there's like 30 seconds of like horse going across the sunset over a mountain and like fire. Yeah. Like showing the passage of time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's um, I, I've never thought of it when watching TV either, but be watching TV shows and, and that since thinking of all these things is that I've been noticing all that of like how much B roll, and I think um, Jimmy was saying in one of the recent episodes of making it that they only have in a 30 minute video or episode of the TV show they're doing, they only have 16 minutes of build time. Yep. So it just, it goes to show like how, how important the action shots are. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where I think a lot of times things like sanding need to be cut right because it's not action and it's not b-roll right mm. it's it's literally like the most boring thing <laughs> to watch someone sand wood um or anything mm. um and i guess that's one of the things where i look at it and go like when i'm trying to make a video you, you got to try and make those the, even those times you got to think of ways to make them fun or yeah. exciting 
Like I know, yeah. I remember one of the videos I did, I knocked over a can of uh, the finish and then it magically, the thing had changed color, you know, had like put an oil finish on something. It really like pops the color. So mm-hmm. I knocked it over and it had changed color. Well, that happened because I knocked over the can and I thought that whole scene up in that like 30 seconds. So I didn't actually film normally like filming the color pop on the grain of wood. It's like something you really want to do. And this one I didn't at all. I didn't yeah. film that bit at all because I I thought it would be a really cool like boom, it's done. Yeah. Right? It's, I, it's why I think that like the best way to learn how to make videos, if you're making a build video or a project video, is to choose a project that has a lot of repetitive parts. And so you film all of them or you or you think about the filming while you're doing the first couple, but then in the edit, you only keep the best ones. And each time you do a different one, you change up the angle and you think, okay, how can I capture this from a different angle? And while you're making, you review the footage and you're like, okay, so what worked there and what didn't? And it's just like such a great way to learn and and not have to just rely on the one shot being perfect. So on my workbench, I sanded the entire workbench before painting it, but I left all that out of the video. Like that's not, it just cuts to like the thing being sanded and then I'm painting. Um, But I did, I sanded the top of the workbench and I put that in, but I made it funny by doing like a funny voiceover over the, over the top of the sanding. It only goes for like five seconds, but enough to sort of just like break up the fact that I'm sanding. Right. Um, but back to what Morley was saying, another thing that I've sort of realized and I've done, so things like the B-roll, I couldn't really do on my workbench because everything was already filmed. But some points I could take, and, um, and one of them was with editing, is changing up the angle in like, when I'm talking to the camera, is cutting cutting up me talking and zooming in and out on my face or like, so like have like the full picture and then three seconds later it cuts in closer to me. So it looks like I'm using like different angles and flipping the image to make it look like the camera's on the other side. And I've totally, I did that a lot in the three videos and like, I'm really happy with how that's come out. Like it really adds something to just having a still shot of like the same angle the whole time. Yeah. I definitely have used the, like mirror the image to make it look like I've moved the camera. Yeah. So when I'm doing like repetitive cuts, I'll just like, yeah, even yeah, if exactly. I didn't get it, even if I didn't get a very good, like this is the problem is a lot of times you can't get a good angle because you're so, like, cause you're, you're, you know, a drill press. The one side is just your elbow. The other side yeah. is something you can actually see. So every one of my f- filming on the drill press. So sometimes I'll just flip it around. Hmm. To make it look like it's a different shot. Well, One that's what I did on the miter saw. Right, and I've done it in the miter saw as and, well. And keen key eyes will, will look and go, "Hang on a minute, that why is that on that side of the miter saw now?" But you have to but, be very careful with something like that because you can get into the problem of like, uh, you know, something going out one side of the screen, mm-hmm. and then like it comes in a weird angle from the other. You can, yeah. you'll notice it when you do it if you're paying attention but it's just like something about the two shots together don't make any sense it's a 180 degree rule it's that That you don't yeah so if you're there's a good diagram for it and i'll put a link for it in the show notes but essentially when you're filming something you don't want to if you if you're imagine the camera is pointing at a subject you don't want to move around the subject by more than 180 degrees or else the viewer will get confused because left and right will be switched 
Well, so it's something I've actually, someone, sorry. I think um, uh, Daniel Ublacis left a comment on something when I, I was, I was talking about something. He was like, Oh yeah, it's like a 180 degree rule. And so after, ever since I read that, I think about it a lot when I'm making my videos, I'm like, okay, I better choose this angle really carefully <laughs> because the whole video, this project is going to be from this side. So I got to make sure that this is the right one. Cause I'm not changing it from here. Right. So with, with the Montessor, for instance, I, I flipped one of the, the video clips of me cutting like a, a cut, but before I, I didn't just go from one side to the other. I went, the one side and then the next cut is like zoomed in right on the cut. So you can't really tell the angle and it's then exactly it goes how to the I other did side. Too. Yeah. So you don't, you can't really, it, yeah. No, I'm just saying you gotta, I'm not saying you did it. I'm just warning any listeners out there or, or viewers yeah. for that matter. Um, that if you, it's the same if you like exit out one side of the frame and the camera doesn't move and then you come in the other side it just doesn't feel right, but it, you have to have a good reason of why that tell, happened. Tell that to Jackman. Right. But that's all Jackman's doing it. Cause there's that's multiple the, Jackman. Yes. Yeah, he's exactly. leaning into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, so another thing that I noticed in, in these videos is that I always just assumed that background music had to be instrumentals. Um, and they really don't. Um, a lot of the a lot of the v- music that I've used in the in the three workbench videos um, has vocals because I, I realize that if if you turn it down low enough, which you should do anyway, you you forget it. You don't hear the background music when when there's a voiceover. Um, yeah, that's that's something I really like about TikTok and Instagram Reels is the ability to try commercial music in your videos and see how it fits. Yep. So like whenever I, whenever I do a reel or something, I, I spend like 10 minutes like going through my recent Spotify history and thinking about songs that I've liked recently. And sometimes when I'm driving, I'm listening to music, I'll like daydream about like a scene that I think that song would go to. So it's a really like nice way to try out these music and video pairings that you wouldn't be able to do in a YouTube video because of copyright. But that is yeah. one of the things I really like about TikTok and Instagram reels. It's like me when, whenever I make a story and try to put music on it on Instagram, like just using the music thing in the story, I spend way too long trying to find the right song. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then I always pick the wrong song and my wife's like, that doesn't go with what you're doing. I don't, why would you pick that song? <laughs> the only thing I'll say about if you have lyrics and you have talking is the reason why I don't, I usually shy away from it. I don't always is because interrupting the middle of a sentence of someone's lyric is jarring. So you're going to turn it down. So you got to find it just limits where you can interrupt with a a mid, you know, mid build chat Mm. with the viewer. Right. Because if you're in the middle of, of like, you know, the song's like, and my heart will go up. And then you're just like, and then I had to sand some. And it's like, <laughs> that sounds re- like you're just like, really? Then that was my yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. for everyone at home who doesn't know the, the Canadian uh, music <laughs> star, Celine Dion. I don't my know. She's from Canada. Yeah. She's, she is definitely from Canada. Yeah. Um, so, 
that's other. I just I I feel like I'm the guy sitting here going like, you can. You can do all these things, but I'm the guy sitting here. But but don't do it this way. And I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't want. I just like. I just know there's sometimes. If you're gonna do it, keep this in mind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna be the guy that says, "Do whatever you want and see what works." Because if you limit yourself to like, "Oh, well, I can't do that," then you might not find a really interesting technique. I think one interesting thing to think about with music as well is that, um, so when I, when I first started putting in my music into my videos, I would have the music be loud when I wasn't talking and then make it quieter when I was talking. But I eventually found that for my personal taste that I didn't like that. I, I didn't like the varying, um, I didn't like how it would change so much. And I would only, I, I eventually changed it so that I would only do that if there was a really long stretch when I wasn't talking. Um, and I think, I mentioned his sound in his videos before, but Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds, I think he does that really, really well. So he'll keep the music a consistent volume, even when there's voiceover, unless there's a really long part yes. where the music is playing. And he'll say, and at this point, I'm just going to let the music run and you can enjoy this time lapse. And it, it makes it feel all very well thought out. Like it's not, yeah. because like Grant, exactly what you're saying, where like you don't want the music to be swelling, like, and my heart will go on. And then you start talking and it, it it's showing that you're conscious of the music as like an actual artistic element in the video and not just like this background thing. Like I, I, I think it's really, I'm not going to say, I think it's important in my videos. I like trying to match the music kind of with the action in that and, and um, not like changing volume all over the place, rather just keep it consistent unless, unless otherwise. I a hundred percent agree. Unless you can't hear what you're saying. Right. Yeah, but that's just a that's just a matter of like proper sound editing and using a compressor and, and yeah. Yeah. Well, there's lots of YouTube videos out there that I can't hear what they're saying over the music or I can't hear <laughs> the music or what, there's a lot of different things and I anyways. I so, I understand agree. If you're going to be talking a lot, definitely keeping the music at a like the same volume sounds so much better. And mm-hmm. to me personally. So so in my um in my videos, I have done that where it goes up and down when I'm talking, so it'll reduce. But in saying that, the general volume is a lot lower than voice than the voiceover. So I've turned down the music 20, and then whenever I talk, it goes down another 10. Yeah. So it's not the same. It's still a little bit quieter. It just makes it that little bit quieter when I'm talking. Mm. I think it's the, the, the thing is don't be jarring yeah. unless you're atten- intentional. Like for every rule, there's like an exception. And it's like, if you want to be, if you want to do it, do it intentionally, do it with reason. And then it all works out. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm. Definitely. And that's no. spiffing. Oh, no, we're on <laughs> podcast again. <laughs> Um, so the only other point I wrote down was uh, transitions, and mm-hmm. that I, I I've always been the kind of guy that's just all jump cuts, um, and just adding a bit of transitions actually adds a lot. Um, so as I was saying before about how I cut like myself in and out with the camera, like zooming in out in and out, um, I just added a crossfade to each time that happens. And it just adds so much more to it. 
Mm-hmm. I found I need to be careful with crossfades or else it's like I'm watching a spa video a little too much. <laughs> like I'm in a waiting room and like it's showing these like nice landscapes. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't what I'm going for here. So I've, well, I, I've used to use crossfades a lot more, but I've really dialed the back of use in them. I've really dialed back my use of them unless I want to show that it's like a, a passage of time or a change of place. Yeah. Well, I really thought about that um, in the video I was editing today of thinking about, okay, so, so what I'm doing here is going from a different angle of the same process of like a transition that, that shows that, that it's not, it's not just doing it to get to a new part of the build and it's getting it, it's doing it to like merge to a different angle sort of thing. If that makes sense. Um, Yeah. And don't, don't discount the star Wars transitions. The iris opening, the sweep, the PowerPoint yeah. transitions, they're fun sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, I will say with the crossfades, I turn them down a lot. So if you add a crossfade in DaVinci Resolve, it's automatically one second. Oh, yeah, that's of, pretty short. Of crossfade. I turned it down to 0.3 of a second. Oh, wow. That's very short. <laughs> yeah. So so you don't, you don't get – it just takes away from the jump. And just adds in like a little bit of transition, and it just made it feel a lot softer. Not like a spa where it like fades into another scene, but just mm. it makes the ca- sort of makes it feel like there's a bit of camera motion there, and not just like a jump cut. I've never tried that before. If I'm doing a fade, I've I've, I've actually found I need to make them a lot longer than I think. So I'll usually go for at least a second, like up to two or three. But I've never tried like a really short cross fade to just like make a less jarring jump cut. That's interesting. I'll give that a try. I definitely do that whenever I'm trying to edit out. uh, Like I fumbled like a Jimmy Dressa. I'm sorry. It's just like the third Jimmy Dressa thing. But (laughs) yeah, Jimmy Dressa is like one of his tips is like, if you fumble with something like you're like going on the drill press and like, Oh, you moved it. Right. And you want to like show it coming in drilling and leaving. Cause that's what you're, your storyboard has told you to do. So you come in, drill it, leave it. If you fumble with the handle and you didn't retake it, we'll just jump cut it to as close as possible that the fumble's gone. Right. Mm. And when you do that, if you do the slightest bit of a crossfade, it's almost, it's almost always imperceptible. Yeah. Hmm. And that way you cut out all that fumble and nobody gets like disappointed for that split second, and they, like, they a automatically a fumble like this. Yeah, no, that's not a fumble. And then they no, like click off. Then they click off your video, and they give you a thumbs down, and they write a nasty comment about your mother. I think they're gonna click off his. And that now. is not spiffing. Grant, you're not even host. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Holy crap, we've been going for almost an hour. Like, um, now you understand yes. why I've been saying it. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, anyone who follows us who is a Patreon supporter gets access to the pre-show and after show. And we are very thankful for all of you. Like um, the hosting fees and everything is, is all covered thanks to you guys. And um, it's just really good to know that we can do this hobby without – the cost over our heads and not, we don't have to worry about trying to find um, sponsorship and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's really good. So very thankful for, for everyone that's over there. And um, if you did want to 
check us out on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash clamp. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh let's move on to clamp mendations, although Grant and I have already said ours. Clamp mendations. <laughs> All right, so, I guess I'll start then. Clamp mendations. Um, this week I wanted to shout out Rob Thomas at Prickly Sauce. Um, I followed him for a while because I'm, I think he puts on some of the drawing challenges throughout the year. Um, but he's been coming up in my feed recently with one of his, uh, garden buildings that he makes, uh, or he has a more specific garden rooms, he calls them. So he's a UK based maker and builder. And, um, with, you know, the proximity of the houses there. There's a lot of people that in their back gardens, um, they want these kind of small artist studios and he makes some really beautiful ones. Um, so I was just kind of scrolling through his feed recently and it's, I, I, I love that sort of like little outbuilding where it's a little secluded area and separated from the noise of the house. Um, the one he did recently was like all white interior to provide like a featureless work from home environment with like no stra- distractions, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and he also is just, um, very impressive artist and illustrator, um, a generally well-rounded, talented guy, um, definitely worth following. Um, so yeah, check him out. Rob Thomas on Instagram, prickly sauce rather at prickly sauce. And and if you didn't know, um, if you've ever wanted a free knife, um, from, uh, the Irish custom knives, uh, you know, you just message Rob, and tell him to message the guy over there and just say that the guys from Clamp sent you. Okay. Do it and then see what happens. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. Um, so we did already touch on it, but my Clamp Nation this week is Beverly's Creations as a whole. Beverly's Creations, but more specifically, if you just want to see one of his videos and see if you're interested, the simple monitor stand is amazing. I mean, it is a beautiful monitor stand and he does some really cool stuff on the CNC to make like a wave pattern on the front of the drawer. But just the video editing is what, what, what caught me. Well, cool. mine this week is Bo Burnham inside. And I think I already sang its praises earlier, but um, the, the video work and the lighting work, especially um, is really worth taking a look at to see what you can do with a small room and a couple, you know, tens of thousand dollars worth of lighting. <laughs> Man, I'm so <laughs> excited to go back to in-person performances and stuff. Cause I feel like the strength of lighting comes through so much when you see a show live, that's where you're like, Oh wow, this is quite an art and can really make it a, a really strong as effect. In, as in turning the lights off. Cause Usually the lights are no. off. No, like the lighting design at like concerts <laughs> and theater shows and dance yeah. performances. I, I think that's a big thing is like seeing what he's able to do when he just turns off the lights and turns on a single light. Mm. Yeah. Right. And it's all about, you know, they, he has this thing that looks like a cell phone, but it's clearly not a cell phone. Mm-hmm. It just looks like a cell phone for, but it's like just a whole bunch of LEDs to give him this, like, I'm looking at a cell phone. Look. a lot. Yeah, yeah, he actually yeah. he's done that a bit in some of his past specials as well. Um, yeah, I can't remember. It might have been words, 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 or the one where he did the Kanye finale, where he was like doing an auto tune thing, kind of at the bottom of the stage, um, but in using lights as props around the stage. 
he's a very creative dude for sure. Creative, intelligent, funny, and attractive. Now, now 30. Oh, you haven't seen inside. Cause I wouldn't say he's attractive anymore. <laughs> he doesn't look like it. He looks like a janky Jesus. Yeah. Janky yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Go, just go <laughs> Google him now. He's <laughs> just Google, just Google like the inside part and the first yeah. link it came up. Um, all right, so here's where if you leave us a review, we don't have one this week, but if you leave us a review, Molly will read it out in the accent of where you're from. Um, but because we don't have one this week, we're going to do my Australian word of the week. So my Australian word for the week, for you guys to try and guess, is slab. S-L-A-B? Yes. Can you please use it in a sentence? I went to the shop and bought a slab. Interesting. Mm. So my instinct is like slab Concrete. slab of chocolate, but I'm guessing that's not it. No. Nope. My guess is that it's a like a case of beer. Yeah, that's kind of what I was you thinking. Got that's it. my second choice. Yes. Oh, nice. That was a good one. How many is it though? 24 pack. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I would go and buy a 2-4. What do Americans say? A 24 pack? A case. Yeah, Yeah, a case. Okay, so in response to your saying Bo Burnham's looks in Inside, I'm I'm looking at Google Images right now, and I feel like he's just like the like quote unquote unattractive girl in like the team rom com where she like takes off her glasses and brushes her hair and she's like a (laughs) she's a bombshell. Like it's just Bo Burnham, but with with a beard and like greasy hair. He still looks like the same dude. (laughs) Ten things Uh, I hate about you. The beard is really gross. So, but you still see my, him underneath it. My wife said a beard is like a push-up bra for men. Mm. And I said, yes, I agree. In that, what? like, sometimes it can really enhance their looks. And then when you take it off, you realize that they're not very attractive. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, a push-up bra is like something that, like, increases your – it's supposed to make it look like you have larger. Anyways. Really? That's I, what it does? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and I maybe, said, maybe yes, and some, the people, some people have ill-fitting push-up bras, and some people have ill-fitting beards. And I would say Bo, Bo, had, Bo Burnham's got some ill-fitting beards this week in, in right. inside. I think, Speaking of, I think that's um, a yeah. Oh, speaking okay. of not, speaking of guys that don't that aren't good looking, um, I'm going to talk about something in the after show. But I want to thank TF Turning for the theme music, and you can find us pretty much everywhere uh, as Clamp Instagram. It's Clamp Cast, and YouTube it's Clamp. Please go and subscribe on YouTube so we can get to 100 and get our custom URL. That'd be amazing. Yes, and, please do that. Yeah. We'll see you. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Goodbye. See you. G'day and welcome to the Clamp Podcast, the Creating Living and Making Pod. God, God damn it. I have not stuffed up an intro for so long. All right.